What's up, everyone? Hello, and welcome to the third episode of the Lost to Step podcast. It is Tuesday, March 22nd. I am Mike Marcone here with Max Kahn, Thomas Pinto, and Mark John Stefano. What's up, fellas? What's going on, guys? Feels like it's been um, a while. It, it does feel like it's been a while. Normally, we record these on Sundays. Um, I got hit with a little touch of the stomach bug, and I know you guys were traveling and stuff, so we pushed it back, and um, I'm happy to be here. Uh, big... Big week, big month of sports. There's a lot going on. Uh, Tom, you said this a couple minutes ago. There's a lot going on in sports. So indeed, we're going to touch on NFL free agency. We have some stories that we missed and just March Madness, um, some crazy games and matchups and everything. So uh, I think we should start, boys, NFL free agency. We do have a resident Packers fan. So Konski, two Packers on the move, one staying. Lead us off here. Yeah, I mean, I won't touch much on on the one staying. Um, I think we've talked about this a little bit, and don't want to, you know, over over talk about uh that Mister uh, Mister Rogers. So I'll, I guess we'll start with the news we got on Thursday. Um, happened to be in Pittsburgh for that one, and uh, was not expecting that. Um, but then I uh, received about six texts from from a bunch of different people and. You know, apparently people. Don't I dropped think the bomb. I, I want to take credit for the bomb. The, oh, I thought I got to you. Bomb. I thought I got to you first. Dang. <laughs> it was a pinto bomb right next to me. Um, but yeah, I received plenty of texts, and I don't think people realize I have ESPN alerts as well. Um, they like to <laughs> like to rub it in. I think because um, I think that's just the kind of Packers fan I am, and people people like like to see me down sometimes. But uh, yeah, it was it was tough at first, but I think. Honestly, I think both teams are in good spots. I think the Raiders, it was a good move for them. Um, for the Packers. Well, obviously, I you're think... talking about Devontae Adams. Correct. Yep. Yes. Yep. So I, I think it was the right move for, honestly, both teams. Um, the Packers, I, I'm happy with what they got back. Um, maybe maybe if they got, which I feel like doesn't happen often, but maybe if they got a player also along with those picks, um, I would have been a little happier. But, you know, they got – uh, first and second from the Raiders for this year, which I think will be huge for them. Hopefully they, they make the right decisions or at least, you know, one of those picks works out for them um, and we get a receiver. But yeah, for the Raiders, I think they're trying to compete with with the other teams in the AFC and especially their own division. Um, and so I think it was a good trade for them. For the Packers, I don't think Adams wanted to really be there anymore. I don't know story here i don't know just the time for him i don't know if he really wanted to play with Derek carr and be in a different you know las vegas location wise you know probably a lot better than green bay um and and so i think it was you know kind of time for him even as mad as i was at first i'm starting to understand it a bit and kind of trust uh the packers front office so overall i think it was a good move um and then zadarius smith today i knew he wasn't coming back to the packers but i i would have loved if he ended up uh, he went, you know, agreed, I guess, with Baltimore and then backed out of that and then signed with the Vikings today. And he's already talking a lot on Twitter, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, it seems like people go to ex-Packers go to the Vikings and and then they they start talking a lot. And so um, we'll see. You know, they play twice, twice a year as always. So it'll be interesting. Rashawn Gary uh, talked a little bit as well today. So I uh I'm loving the the rivalry, maybe heating up a little bit with this Zadarius Smith signing. Um, so it should be fun to watch those two teams. Um, Zadarius is really good when healthy, and I think he he could be good for them um, if healthy. But you know he's got to go up against Bakhtiari uh, twice this year. So 
I'm hoping he's not talking too much after the games when uh when when they uh keep him away from Aaron. So we'll see. It should be interesting. But yeah, I mean Packers loaded up on defense and uh you know, re-signed the guys they you know, most most of us wanted them to sign or re-sign. And so I I honestly don't think they're in a terrible position as much as people might say. Um uh, but it really just depends what they do if they can grab a veteran free agent receiver and then maybe draft at least a receiver to um you know, in this upcoming draft with the, all the picks they have. So I'm really interested to see what they do here. I was pretty surprised about it too. I, I, for me, when it, when it first happened, my initial thought was Aaron Rodgers just signed a deal and now his number one target. And really like, I mean, obviously their, their run game is, has gotten a little bit better and, and, you know, um, those guys are contributing, but for, for Rodgers to, to ha- have a guy who is considered top two, three, wide receivers in the league easily if, yeah if um, not one yeah right like i mean yeah I, you could you could put him there easily with the, the body of work especially from the last two years um right to to sign that deal and then i, I mean a report came out that he knew that he was leaving and he still signed that deal and for me that's a little bit weird for rogers because he seems to be the kind of guy and there's there's obviously been situations where he's been very outspoken about He's not happy with what the Packers are doing. He needs help. He needs this. He needs that. And for him to sign that deal, knowing that his number one target and, you know, the best wide receiver in the league, arguably, is is leaving, that that seems a little bit weird to me. Um, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm waiting to, like, hear more, I think, because it does seem a little – something seems weird um, – a lot of people right away just jump to the conclusion that Rogers didn't know and like, he's going to be pissed. And then we get that report that sounds like he did know before he signed that Adams wasn't playing another snap for green Bay. Um, it, it's tough for me. Some people say like maybe Rogers really doesn't care about winning again and just want to stay in green Bay and get that money. Um, I don't believe that, but you know, Obviously, none of us know the guy and talk to him. So, if he wanted to make a lot of really money, for sure, he could just go do the the podcast with Pat McAfee and and split the oh for sure one hundred yeah. million dollar deal. You know what I mean? Like, if he really yeah. cared about money, there's plenty of other ways. If he's gonna play football, I I can't imagine him, you know, wanting to be on a bad team. Not that the Packers are necessarily gonna be bad, but right. And before and before I let Pinto, I'm sure. I'm sure Pinto has a, has an opinion on this, but real quick, um, there's a stat that I think it's like Rogers is like 11 and one or, or something, uh, something close to that without Adams when Adams is her, or, you know, I believe, I believe it's mostly due to injury. Um, and so a lot of people are saying, well, they, you know, they've won without him, but it's different when a guy's out for a game or two, um, then you're missing that guy for, for a full season. Um, so I'm really interested to see if they do roll out with mainly the receivers that are on their roster now, which I know they're, they're not, but if they do get some rookies and maybe they don't work out, um, and some injuries happen, like Ken Rogers really carry that team. And I will say that run game is actually, I, I wouldn't say could carry them, but they, they do have a good run game and a great one. It's too, good. Jones and Dylan. It's very so, good. so I think I mean, maybe the Packers switch up their offense a bit and, and don't rely too much on Aaron and just uh, let their defense and run game. Maybe they're, they're switching their, you know, culture philosophy a little bit and, 
and become more that defensive uh, first and and that run game first um, and let Rodgers that- make the plays when he has to. I think one thing we have to remember, too, is that we knew after um, the Packers signed Rodgers, we knew they had cap problems. We knew that something was going to happen. We probably thought that the other 52 guys probably had a better chance to go first than he did. But we knew that they had cap issues. So, right. yeah, it kind of it, it kind of hit me as surprised at the beginning that he was the one to go because I'd be lying if I said that I, I think that they're a better team now that he's gone. I just don't think that that's true. Mm-hmm. But they were a little they were a, a little hamstrung with what they could do um, if they kept him. Now that he's gone, they have a lot more flexibility. I'm not saying that it's going to translate into wins, but the flexibility is there. Um, it's it's not like this was um, something that we didn't see coming. We knew that the, they were going to have a tough time maneuvering around, and I, I can't. I'm, I was surprised, but when you when you look at their money situation, I, I I don't think it's it's the craziest move I've ever seen. They were in a tough they were in a tough spot. They really and were. To, I did hear a report that they offered him, they offered to make him the highest paid wide receiver in the league, right? Yep, basically the same that. I heard from basically the same that the Raiders are giving them. So it really was just, it sounds like it, it was just time to go. Wants- and um, the Packers couldn't really, I mean, it sounded like they wanted to do it. So, but I, to Pinto's point, I do, I do agree with you there. Um, since he got traded, they re-signed Rasul Douglas, who had a great year for them. A guy that was on the practice squad for the Cardinals um, earlier that season last year. Um, he came on and he was huge in, in uh, picking up for Jair Alexander when he went out for, for most of the season, at least some of the season. Um, they already kept Devondre Campbell, I believe, for before that, but he was a big part of their defense last year. Um, and then they also just signed a defensive tackle. Uh, I believe it's Jaron Reed. I might be pronouncing that first name wrong, um, but he's been pretty solid. I wouldn't say anything spectacular or a huge signing, Um but someone that helps out with Kenny Clark and hopefully will help out with their run defense, which has struggled in the past couple of years. So I think it's already showing that they're able to do a little bit more with, with that room. And hopefully they can, like I said, I, I want them to draft some receivers, but I think they need to bring in some veteran, whether it's Jarvis Landry um, I'd rather not be Julio Jones, but just someone that can be somewhat like a go-to for Rogers when they're actually on the field, which we'll see about some of those veterans uh, if they can stay the good on the thing field. For- the good thing for the Packers is the division is not that strong. Correct. So yeah. um, I can't give them the division title right now. I think it's between them and the Vikings. And I, I think it'll be a pretty, I know free agency is not over, but from where we stand right now, I think it's a pretty decent race. I, I don't think, yeah, the, might uh, be... I, I don't think the bears are there. I don't think the lions are there. Um, I can't anoint the Vikings or the Packers, the division champs right now, but I think when um, the dust settles at the end of the year next year, I don't think there's going to be that many games separating the two of them. I don't. But again, it's it's another one of those things, the, the point with the Packers that we've made on our last two episodes, I think, and we joke around with Max, it's not so much the regular season you're worried about. It's it's the postseason and being wake, able to win. Wake that. me up in January. 
But now, yeah, sure. but, but now that but now that Adams is gone, now I can't say that. Now, as a non-Packers fan, I'm more invested in their season now that he's gone. So I will. Yeah, why? I'll be I'll be more tuned in. So why? So I think because, I think a lot of people if, because if they still had Adams, you give them the division before the season starts. Now I'm more intrigued. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I invested. There's... I think invested was the wrong word. <laughs> I think there's a lot that's still to be done by the Packers. Um, obviously the draft, but I think some, some moves come in, um, in free agency, hopefully. Um, so I think we'll, we'll, we'll be talking about this, I'm sure for a, a bunch of episodes, but I do think people are going to be watching during the regular season and being like this team. I, I just can't see them going 13 and four again, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, it, it might be more, this might be more of a wild card team or a team that's, you know, pushing to make the playoffs where the past few years that, that hasn't been the case. Right. It might um, only take it, it might only take ten wins to win the NFC North next year. 10, it, 11, it, yeah. It, it, yeah. It it probably won't take more than eleven. Yeah. Well, uh, moving on. I can't believe we just spent that much time on Packers alone. <laughs> uh, we have some other some I other big it. moves to talk about. Whatever. Uh, some other <laughs> big moves to talk about. Um, let's tackle the the Russell Wilson trade. That one to me. So. Seattle gets Drew Locke, Noah Font, uh, defensive lineman, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth-round pick. Denver gets Russell Wilson and a fourth-rounder. Does that instantly make Denver Super Bowl contenders? No. I don't, I don't think even so. Think so. I don't even think it makes them the lock to, to make the playoffs because the AFC I don't think is so, so either. darn good. That's what I'm saying. I don't. They gave away so much. And, yeah, Russell Wilson, is he, is he a game-changer? Yeah. Is he a season changer? Is he going to really take them and escalate them? And if he couldn't take Seattle, which I think had an overall better team, uh, Denver defense, but if he couldn't bring Seattle to where they needed to go and Denver gives away all this value for the next few years, to me, I don't know if that was the, the best move. I don't put it this way. The Chiefs are better until proven otherwise. I think the Bills where they are better stand right now. The Bills are better. I'm, I'm just talking AFC West. I think the Chargers oh, yeah. are better. The Raiders, I guess a slight edge to Denver right now because Russ is, is – uh, I think the quarterback. Because he's, because he's a leg above Derek Carr. But, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it there's a there's a ton difference, you know, between Denver and, and Oakland right now. You never know how the season's going to progress, but – I th- if I had to make a prediction right now, I think they're the third best team in that division. I mean, it, it might get them in the playoffs. They could win ten games and make the playoffs, but the Chiefs are better until I see otherwise. And I think the Chargers are better. I think the Chargers are better than the Raiders, and they just didn't make the playoffs last year. So, I won't say I'll agree with you guys about Super Bowl contender, but I think I think they could make some noise in the playoffs. I I agree. I I don't think I would pick them to win the division, but I think they have a shot at the division. I think with the weapons they have, I think they're pretty close to what I realize. Maybe they're not Tyler Lock and DK Metcalf, but Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, who I believe is still there, when when healthy, those three. Which I know Sutton and Judy, I think, um, have had some uh, injury issues in the past a uh, couple seasons. But when healthy, I think that's a pretty lethal offense, along with Javante Williams, who showed he can he can carry the load. Um, Melvin Gordon's not there anymore, but I believe Javante Williams is, is a, I wouldn't say a top back, but 
Um, I think he's going to have a really good year for them. And I don't know too much about their offensive line. Um, so that might be a question there. I believe they have a pretty solid offensive line, but then I think defensively is the difference with them in Seattle. And I think that Melvin, puts them. Melvin could come back too. He still he could come agent. back. He yeah. Yeah. He hasn't yeah. signed anywhere yet. Maybe he'll take, but yeah, I think defensively um, without looking at really their additions on defense, if they had any, but um, defensively, you know, Seattle was not very good. And, um, Russell Wilson was hurt last year. I mean, I wouldn't say they were a Super Bowl contender when he was playing, but I, I think this Broncos team is really good. Like you guys said, the AFC is really good. So yeah, it's going to be tough. I, I think, I you think know, this is the best, like one football conference has, has ever been that at I least for a long time. It's crazy. Is yeah. Loaded. Like the Patriots. I mean, they have like six the games. Team. Yeah. They have six games against the Raiders, Chargers and Chiefs right there alone. That could be, you know, five losses, four losses. <laughs> I didn't yeah, even, yeah, I, I completely forgot too. the, the chargers. I mean, they, they traded for Khalil, Khalil Mack. Mack. Yeah. yeah. Right. And they already have Bosa on one side like that. I mean, their defense too. I, JC Jackson, good, they got man. from the Patriots. They re-signed Mike Williams, Justin Herbert yep. looking like an MVP, just a matter of, um, yep. The yeah, interesting thing, when. the interesting thing with the Chargers is, can they like get over that hump of like seeming to and always hump. be that team where people are like, okay, this is the year they're at least a wild card yeah. team, and then yep. they, you know, they don't actually play well for a full season, but they do have the roster for it for sure. Yeah, still got the best uniforms in sports, no matter what. <laughs> I'm Outer the blue and the baby blue, powder blue, the best. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Um. So. Uh, I, I think we should save the best for last year. So I'm going to hold off on the, on, on one that I think we'll talk about extensively here, but a couple other quarterbacks on the move. So Matt Ryan and uh, as Max would like to call him commander Carson. Oh, and I will say before, you know, that uh, a friend, friend of mine at work, uh, Chris Tutwiler, he gave me the commander Carson nickname. So a little shout out to him, but, but yeah, I, I like that. I like that. So I had to throw it on there. I think I saw Shefty tweet that out too, or someone, one of the field games. Maybe, but I'll, I'll still give it to him. Like, uh, what a kind of interesting quarterback carousel the Colts have had, right? Going from Rivers yeah. to Wentz to Ryan, right? I, I, I can't remember a team ever going with three old vets, kind of one yeah, after another. Yeah, just keep it like going. That. Yeah. Um, I think Ryan can be a solid fit on the Colts. You know, I, I do I, like I him with that offensive line. I don't think there's that much line. separation with him and Carson Wentz. It's just Ryan has been a lot healthier in his career. Yeah. I think, too, that offensive line, you know, I think a lot of people look at last year, Ryan on Atlanta, and they, like, watching some of their games, it looked like he was getting hit every time he dropped back and, and didn't have much time. I think with that Colts offensive line, maybe Ryan looks, I wouldn't say his old MVP self, but at least – closer to that than what he was last year he's got a little juice left in the tank oh yeah he's, he's, a, he's too. a yeah he's a good enough quarterback i think to to put that team in position to win games i definitely and, think and that division is not good if they win their four games against the jaguars and texans like they should and just split like with should. tennessee <laughs> like they should like they didn't do last year um, right. in, in the last game of the year when it mattered the most. But if they win those four games right. like they should and just split against Tennessee, they'll be right in the thick of it to yeah. win that division. They probably – I guess they could get a wild card maybe. It's just another know. team, though, that <laughs> that looks pretty good and, 
you know, in that AFC, it's just crazy. They like got, they so have a, many, they have so a, many guys. They have a nice balance. But Max, we were talking about today just a little bit. They could use another wide receiver because Michael yeah. Pittman might not just be a true, true number one. It'd be a real nice number two. Yeah. yeah, people mentioned Julio there too, which again, if he's healthy, I think he Damaged seems like goods. he can still play. But damaged goods. I what, think last shot. two or three years he's he's had hamstring issues, and I feel like he's just not coming Damaged back from man. it. So yeah, really, but I think they could add him. someone. Yeah, and then the other side, like we talked about, Commander Carson. Of course, you guys think going over to uh, Washington, the Washington Commanders. I can't get over that name. <laughs> um, I don't think it's a stretch to think that they can't win that division with like eight, nine wins that, you know, if they all kind of beat up on each other, I'm kind of getting sick of, uh, you know, of the Cowboys, you know, um, just assuming that they're going to win every year. I know that they won this year and then they laid an egg in the playoffs and they, they didn't Amari get better Cooper's though. This, so no, far. they did not yeah. get better so far this off season. Um, I don't think the Giants are there yet. Uh, I think my Eagles, Giants steamroll that division. The Eagles, <laughs> I think the Eagles could win six games next year, and I don't think anyone would really, um, you know, bat an eye. They were kind of the surprise of the year this year, and I, I, I don't know if they feel 100% that Hurts is the guy. Uh, probably mm-hmm. split on that decision, um, depending on who you talk to. Do you think – Do you think? But that... I think it's a I, – I think it's a good move by Washington to bring him in. It's a one-year tryout, basically, before he's a free agent. Why not? It's, it's, it's a heck of a lot better than what they were throwing out there. Is he competing for a job with Taylor Heineke? I don't think they would have traded for him if they thought he wouldn't be the starter. It's not like you're bringing in you know, John Kitna or Ryan Fitzpatrick to kind of right. light a fire under the butt, you know, the old veteran coming in. And, and if, and if the, if the young, if the rookie or the second year QB isn't ready, you've got that old Wiley vet to kind of step in and play. I, I don't think this is the case. And he's not that old either. Um, and it was know, a, it was a trade too, right? Close. Yeah. They traded for him. I, I don't think they would have traded for him if they didn't think he was going to be the starter. I think he's, I would be very, very surprised. Um, if he's not starting week one, I think the only way he's not is if he just has a, a god awful camp, <laughs> a horrible, horrible training camp and preseason. But what is the preseason now? Just two games? Yeah, I think they're still and sticking with that. Two, maybe two or, three. two or three. Two or three. Yeah, starters play maybe a half. And yeah, he'll probably yeah. play like one series and um, he'll hand off to um, Antonio Gibson a couple times and that'll probably be it. I wanted to uh, ask you guys quick. Um, do you think, cause you know, Washington, they, they had that playoff loss to the Buccaneers. They, they were what a seven win team when they won the division or eight win. Um, do you guys think like the, the only real difference in them being good or not is their defense wasn't as good last year. Like if Chase Young is healthy and playing really well, that defensive line is as dominant as it was the year before. Like if Carson Wentz just plays okay, I mean, can't, can't they compete and, and be a, you know, have a chance to win the division, maybe a wild card spot. I definitely think if their defense shows up, if their defense shows up, I think they can compete in that division. I think over the last few years that that division has showed that you don't necessarily have to be. Yeah. you. Yeah. And that's, that's the history of the NFC East as it is like, uh, like for teams don't repeat winning that division. Typically. I mean, the Cowboys have had a couple of good years and whatnot, but if their defense can show up and their offense can score, you know, 25 points a game if they're able to do that um yeah i think that would make a huge difference but 
I, I don't really, I mean, obviously Chase Young got hurt and, and it is what it is, but prior to his injury, I don't think he was playing very well. And that, that defense as a whole, just, they, they were kind of like Swiss cheese. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. That division to me is always open and I don't want to be biased, but I am, um, I would love to see the giants take it over, but I do think if Carson Wentz starts and he is playing at the level that he showed he can play at with when he was with the Colts, I think they have a good chance to, I think also, I think, I think kind of a little bit with the Colts situation too, kind of in Washington, I think McLaurin is a perfect number two. I don't know if he's the number one on a team that goes really far. He's a great compliment. Yeah. 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 I I don't think he's, he's a number one on a team that's going to go really, really far. Right. I, th- I think, I think draft, he's an outstanding number two. They they need to make a couple good moves in the draft, and I don't know. Logan I don't Thomas know exactly is a what good they, weapon, too, but that guy just can't stay healthy. Yeah, he can't. Yeah, that's true. Really good. Yeah, I, Bell's been really wrong too many times. Just cannot stay healthy. I will say I'm excited for uh, Commanders. I almost messed that one up commanders at eagles uh maybe we get like a sunday night or monday night football game for wentz's game in philly i think that'll be fun to watch oh probably probably i hope he plays well i i honestly am rooting for i i would like to see him do well i know mike you're probably not but but i for whatever reason i just i like when he's good and playing well i don't want to see washington like be really successful and win the division obviously but um (laughs) i of of all of the the three other teams in the nfc east the the Washington commanders now are probably my least hated. Um, the rivalry for me That's fair. over the last, yeah. you know, my, my fanhood 29 years, uh, they <laughs> just haven't thing. really been. Speaking about Sunday night games, Denver at Seattle this year. Ooh, wow. We know what mm-hmm. happens in Seattle. Oh yeah. That's a Sunday nighter. Um, all right. Moving on, I know we spent a lot of time on NFL free agency, but there are some big moves. Last one here, uh, Deshaun Watson, blockbuster. Highest-paid quarterback. He's got 22-23 outstanding sexual harassment allegations, all that stuff that's going on. Thoughts on the, on the trade? Thoughts on the contract? Thoughts on, is that the right thing to do to pay him all that money? What do you think? I, I'd like to see. I just want to know <laughs> what the suspension. I mean, I think it's pretty much assumed there's at least a four, maybe six game suspension coming. I'd like to see what that is. But my real I think a lot of people are upset about the signing um, with with all the allegations and what he's um, being accused of. And I think it's tough because the Browns, if, if they didn't do it, another team would have. And that's what I think is tough because someone's willing to take that chance or that, or, or risk, you know, maybe hurting their, their franchise reputation a little bit by making that move and maybe turning some people against them. But someone's, someone was going to make a trade for them. Um, it happened to be the Browns and, and now they're kind of dealing with that from, from I'm sure fans of just them, but also all over. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how this plays out. Um, especially, like I said, with the suspension and, and what we hear from, you know, these allegations, cause obviously it's not close to being over yet. Right. And, and keep this in mind, Calvin Ridley. I saw somebody tweeted this out. Yeah. Calvin Ridley <laughs> bet on his team to win 
with an NFL partner sports book, which I understand you shouldn't be gambling on the sport that you play in. And he's got a full year suspension. Deshaun Watson is actively facing 22 civil suits of sexual assault and sexual misconduct, and he has a fully guaranteed five-year, $230 million contract. I mean, yes, he's probably going to face suspension, but I don't think you fully guarantee that if the guy's going to have a year off. No, like, they know that's not going to happen. To me, that's wild. But um, I, think there's, I think there's a lot of teams that wouldn't have gone after them. I think that... Cleveland is one of the ones that I'm not surprised did uh, go after him. Um, I remember reading an article um, that said um, that uh, head coach Kevin Stefanski said that the organization did a tremendous amount of background on Watson and then the lawyer representing Watson and the 22 civil cases against him claims that the Browns never made contact with him at all. So, you know. That wasn't representing Watson, though, right? It was just the – that's the lawyer representing the – Right, The yes. 22 – yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I said it the other way. No, no, I just wanted to make make yes, sure yes, that yes, was yes. clear. Um, I, I don't think it's really that, you know, if, if this thing doesn't work out, I don't think it's the money that's going to be the worst part uh, that the Browns are going to have to pay for. I think it's just their reputation – around the league that the, um, you know, however you want to view it, whether he's innocent or not, you know, that, that's, that stigma is still going to be with him. And um, the fact that the Browns are okay to, for, for lack of a better term, look the other way at, at this juncture. Um, I can't say I'm surprised that an organization like the Browns who have been uh, stuck in mud for a very, very long time for most of our, young adult life. Um, I'm not surprised that they're a team that took a chance. I think there are a lot of teams it, that wouldn't have. I'm not sorry. surprised that they did. The teams though, in general that were reportedly interested in them, I think it looks bad on all them. Cause obviously they were, absolutely. You know, it sounds like they absolutely. were willing to make moves and I'm not saying it was like you said, um, I don't, right. I don't if believe the every team right. would have done that. You were right, Max. If the Browns hadn't done it, some team would have. I don't know if they would have guaranteed what, five years, 230 right. million. Right. Maybe not that much, but Max is right, right, right that another team would have taken him. Absolutely. And, At least three or four that um, it, we've heard had interest. Yeah. Right. I mean, bottom and, line, the guy is an unbelievable football player, but there's things that are bigger than football and there's things that are bigger than winning games. And, and then that's, <laughs> I that mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Urban Meyer, if Urban Meyer was the coach over in Cleveland, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, but <laughs> Good for the Texans now that this is over and they can move on and rebuild. And this is, no longer they've been they've been trying like to a, rebuild for like, a, like for a, so like long. a horrible storm cloud um you know good for them that this situation is over and they can get back yeah. to trying to rebuild their franchise i agree yeah. with that and and i mean they did get what three first round picks 2022 yeah. 23 24 i mean first they got a good picks. yeah they got a pretty good haul um yeah so i guess we'll we'll see how that pans out that that to me the crazy is just five year 230 fully guaranteed for a guy who hasn't played it's, in a long time. I think it's and, sad that nothing really surprises like us fans anymore. I mean, maybe like a contract like that for, for him, but like teams willing to take a chance on players like that. I mean, even like the cream hunt like situation or, I know. you know, like Ray Rice didn't 
he never played after that never video came again. out. But if the nope. video doesn't come out, does he, you know, maybe have a longer career? I'm, like, it right. just doesn't surprise me anymore that, te- you know, things are, you know, like Pinto, I believe, said, you know, people turn their back on things like that, you know, in order to win, in order to have, you know, success. And so nothing really surprised me anymore. And I think that that's kind of sad. Yeah, I agree. I, I And like I said a second ago, there's just things out there that are more important than football and winning but when it is your job to put together a team that does win yeah there is pressure on you to make those tough decisions and i'm not saying it's the right one but ultimately that's what the browns did and we'll see what happens so all right nfl free agency that was that was a while that we just spent on that but i think it was important (laughs) that we did okay um i think it's time to move on to the ncaa tournament um where uh, we're going to start the Sweet 16 on Thursday. And I don't know about you guys, um, but I am um, always um, rooting for an underdog come this time of year. And what a great story St. Peter's is out of Jersey. Their first two tournament wins in school history, beating Kentucky um, first in overtime and then Cooley and Comley beating uh, Murray State. Uh, head coach Kim Holloway has done an, an unbelievable job with this group. I think it's an unbelievable story. You know, if you win the first one and then you lose 48 hours later, it's kind of forgotten. But now everyone gets yeah. to talk about you for, for six full days. Um, and they are are the talk of the the tri-state area where, where I'm at down here. <laughs> Um, for, for these, these past couple of days. And, uh, did you I hear, liked... go ahead, Max. did you hear what the coach said? Um, I believe it was after the second game, um, just talking about like his team's toughness and stuff. I don't yes. know if you heard his yes. interview, but that was yes, like that, like, I don't know, that just got me kind of fired up. And I was like, I yeah, like, for, this guy for, seems like a guy you'd want to play for. Yeah. For what Max was uh, referring to specifically, um, um, they asked him, you know, your, your team didn't, you know, seemed to be phased by Murray state when they were trying to knock you around and stuff. And, you know, he's like, I've got guys from New York city and New Jersey. He goes, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, what you don't need any more toughness than that. And Holloway himself is a Queens native, um, former Seton hall star back in the early two thousands, pretty much a shoe in at this point to take the Seton hall job as their coaches, yeah. uh, coaching vacancy is open. So, you know, he's going to go there. It's sad for St. Peter's, but that's how it goes. The mid-major, the, the small team, no one knows, wins a playoff, uh, to- uh, a tournament game or two, and then he's going to go to Seen Hall. But it's not like he's jumping across the country. He's going in the same state, going to his alma mater. Which I so, like. Yeah, that's cool. Which is which is going to be cool for him because now he's going to get to take over a pretty solid program in Seton Hall. But for now, he's still with St. Peter's, and it, this is a – a really, really fun run, and they get to go up against another great team in Purdue on Friday night, and I can't wait to watch that game. I'm, I'm stoked. Do you uh, do you think this is where where the magic runs out? Um, a lot of people are saying with Purdue's size, but but you know, like like we just talked about, you know, it sounds like, you know, I mean, they went up against size in in Kentucky and yeah, Murray State. I'm not as familiar with, but. I can't, I, I can't say with certainty that they'll win, but if they beat Kentucky, they can hang. They with should anybody. have a shot in any game. They should, you know. they should have, you know, maybe Gonzaga could, could have their, but even Gonzaga had, had trouble in, in their second yeah. game. And, and like, and, and their like first Max game for said, a bit. 
Yeah. And like Max said, and like Max said last week, this is not a dominant. You know, last year we knew Gonzaga and Baylor. They're the two horses. They're the two best. Gonzaga is yeah. still good. There's, there's still some good team. Um, and Baylor from last year. Yeah. yeah. Are you yeah. are you making fun of him? <laughs> Did I miss something? No. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't feel like that this year. So you know, if they could beat Kentucky, they can hang. So I'm really something, excited for their game. Something else I mentioned last week. Um, I talked about like which conference was going to show up, which conference was going to struggle. Um, we saw with the Big Ten, um, Michigan, I believe, is the only team out of that. And then we saw the SDC um, actually struggle. Kentucky and Tennessee are already out. Auburn's already out, which they were kind of struggling towards the end. But I don't think yep. – I think people still give them a good chance to go to at least the Sweet 16. I mean, what do you guys think? I guess just opinions on that. And conferences that are doing well, you know, Big Three. Um, the ACC is actually yeah. playing really well. So Miami in the Sweet uh, Sixteen. Yeah, which yeah. which not you know some people, people saw I guess saw come in, but I did not. What do you guys I think did, of, of that not. with the conferences? I did not think the SEC would struggle that much. I didn't think I didn't think that we would have Tennessee, Auburn, and Kentucky all out. I I did not think that. I I saw Tennessee again. making a run. Not even a little. Yeah, I think a lot of people did, and I mean. You're not going to pick a, which is why I guess people love March Madness, but, or also hate it at times, especially, you know, people with, with brackets with Kentucky, but no, oh, no one's going to pick St. Peter's. Like <laughs> yeah. Which we heard about that, <laughs> but yeah. um, yeah, I mean, you expect these teams to make long runs and then, you know, it's just one game. It's, it is possible. We've seen it time and time again, but like, you know, I've heard analysts say, you know, while picking brackets, all right, we'll put Kentucky forward. Like, there's no chance they lose that game. But, like, we keep forgetting that this happens every year. I mean, we don't know who it's going to happen to. But, like, it's not an automatic win for for any nope. of these teams. You know, it's, you know, as much as the one seed wins, you know, we've now seen it before. And we've seen 16 seeds push one seed. So, it it's so much fun to watch. And it's just crazy that, you know, what we thought was going to happen is, you know, Maybe not the opposite, but a lot of things that we expected uh, didn't didn't go as planned, I guess. Yeah, and I think that in this St. Peter's team, even though I would be lying if I said I watched them before the tournament, and just watching their two games so far, they're a very easy team to root for. They play hard. They're for tough. Sure. They're yeah. gritty. They got a, a great coach. Um, they're easy for me to get behind. Um, I'm on the bandwagon. So I hope they I would agree going. with that. I think, it, I think it would be great. I think oh, I think just the 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 magic of of the tournament. You know, it strikes one team every year, and and like Mac, Max said a couple minutes ago, like is the magic going to run out? I, I I really hope that it doesn't. Um, one team I wanted to bring up. I hate them. Duke. <laughs> They've seemed in control. They they. They've seemed in control, but they're they're coming up against Texas Tech, right? I think that's a tough matchup. Texas well, Tech. Well, I mean, they, uh, I, I'm sorry, Max. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say Texas Tech uh, is a very good defensive team. Um, Duke Duke seems to be playing a little bit better. I wouldn't say they're they've been like amazing defensively, um, but but I think it's it's definitely going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a close game, maybe a little more low scoring than we saw with Duke Michigan State. Um, but I think this is a matchup 
Um, I had it on my bracket. I think a lot of people had it on theirs, um, but I've, I've been looking forward to, to this one and seeing uh, these two teams go against each other. But I kind of said it last week where I could see Duke losing, maybe not to Cal state, but I could see them losing to Davidson or Michigan state um, mm-hmm. or I could see them going to the finals. So I'm just curious if like, it's just like this coach K run is going to happen and we're going to, we're going to see a storybook ending or, you know, possibly come to an end against Texas tech as, as quickly as uh, I believe, yeah, they play Thursday night. So I mean, they yeah. played the perfect last five minutes as you could play against Michigan State when it looks like their chances were running out. They pulled the they played the perfect last five minutes. If that situation comes up again, and like Max said, Texas Tech being a better defensive team and the offense has not been good or not been as good the the first thirty five minutes of the game. Can they have another run in like like that in them again? It'll it'll be tough to play as well down the stretch as they did against Michigan State. They were great in those last five minutes. Is there, is there anything else that you guys are looking forward to in terms of matchups or you know your your biggest game? There's so many good games. Um, UNC UCLA. I'm looking at, but I think the main one for me because I I really like both these teams and I wish they weren't playing each other yet. Um, Gonzaga and Arkansas. Um, Gonzaga, you know, has definitely been vulnerable in these first two games. Um, I think I mentioned earlier, but against Georgia state, that was, that was actually a game at, at half. And I think a little bit into the second half, um, and then Memphis who's, who's been playing really well lately, you know, starting with their conference tournament, um, you know, they, it looked like they were, had a good shot at, uh, beating Gonzaga. So I'm interested to see how Gonzaga comes out now that they, you know, maybe aren't as confident in, in, you know, they're their ability to beat their opponent. Um, they're playing a four seed in Arkansas. Arkansas has been really good. I think I mentioned it last week about them being really good the past, you know, probably like six weeks or so. Um, I really like Eric Musselman as a coach. Um, it just seems like he's another guy that you just would want to play for and, and really supports his players and gets behind his players um, and is really involved with the team, the the community, all that. Um, so I really root for him, but it's tough. I, I honestly don't know who I want to win the game, um, but I'm really excited to watch it and see if uh, Gonzaga comes up short once again, or if they could advance. and And I, I would, I, I would love to see them play Duke. So I think I'm kind of rooting for that. My I was going to say really that forward to is I'm sorry, Mike is uh, Arizona Houston. There's going to be some points yeah, oh, in that. Yeah, game. at the over. At the over. What did, I wonder what the spread is for that. It's going to be a lot. I, I haven't looked. But there's going to be, it's got to be close. To, oh, it's over under. It's got to be close to 160. You there's going to be a lot yeah. of points in that game. Whew. Let's take a look. That's yeah, I agree. Uh, Max, I, I was just going to agree with you. We like, we tend to look towards the same matchups, I think, especially last week when we were talking about like, yeah, our top yeah, three and everything. Top three. Um, Gonzaga Duke, that, that for me, that I would, I would love to see um, that happen. Let's look at the spread here. And, and even Arkansas, Texas Tech, like if, if we did get that, obviously that's not, you know, the, the, the big ticket, I guess, matchup, but I think that would be a great game too. So I think no matter what comes out of that, I mean, most of these, you're going to get good games, but that West region, I think no matter what matchup we get in the lead eight, I think, I think it'll be a fun matchup to watch and I'm going to be um, watching closely. So which maybe, game we'll get a, maybe we'll get a St. Peter's Miami final. Ooh. Imagine. Pinto, what game were you talking about? Arizona, Houston. Houston. Yeah, Arizona, okay, yeah. Houston. yeah. Over under 145 and a half. Over. So Pinto's definitely going over. over. I was, I'm not I was confused gam- because I'm, I'm not I'm not a gambler, just letting all our listeners know. I'm not a gambler, but the over. 
not a gambler. <laughs> I don't know. Um, quick question. So, your most disappointing team? Who who let you down the most? I'm gonna get to that um, in our last segment of the show. So I'll save that. Nice tease. I can. Oh right. I can give you <laughs> one. Um, just real quick. Um, I guess I can't give you. I feel like there's so many that I that I want to talk about. Um, Kentucky's the easy one, I guess, just because they played a 15 seed. Um, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people had them in their final four, if not their finals, if not winning the whole Adam thing. Winning. Um, I, I look at Tennessee because I think I mentioned it, um, in our kind of our tournament preview show last week, Tennessee, it doesn't seem to matter what players they have. They just don't seem to, to go far in the tournament. It seems like they have these teams. I'm, I talked about Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams, a really good Tennessee team a few years ago. And now this year, like everyone was high on them. They, they came into the tournament really hot. Um, they won the SEC tournament and, and they lose to Michigan, which it seems like Michigan's, you know, playing well last couple games, but it, it just seems like Tennessee just can't get, you know, get past the first couple games, you know, and I, I pick them every year. I continue to pick them, but, they continue to not only let me down, but just, you know, you know, let, let people down that are picking them and just, uh, I just looked you know, it up. Come Max. up short. They have been to, they have been to one elite eight in school history. And when was That's that? The furthest they've ever, that was 2010. They were a six seed and they lost to five seed Michigan state by one point. I don't remember that game. Yeah. And I don't know I if it's like a Rick looking. Barnes thing or just unlock. I, I, I don't know what it is, but when I see Tennessee in the bracket and they're a two <sighs> or a three seed, it just makes me nervous to pick them to go far. And I still, I still do it every year, but I did it too, Max. And I know we had talked about <laughs> it. I was so looking forward to them just finally making that run and just and being watching that them team play more than a couple that, games. <laughs> exactly. Max. Just being that team that needed to do exactly what they should be able to do. Right. Like, you look yeah. at that what team and you just like. think, yeah, exactly. And, remember- and they just, do you guys remember in 2019 when they lost to Purdue in overtime in that wild game? You guys remember that one? Was that when Not. Virginia won the whole thing? Yes. Purdue had um, a shooter. His name is escaping me. And he caught, he scored like eight points a game the whole season. And he caught fire in the second half and hit like five three pointers in out of six in like a five minute span. The game went to overtime. That one's escaping you. I that guy vaguely, yeah. yeah I'm, I remember that tournament. I feel like, but I don't remember that exact game. Do you know? Was it? You don't know who the shooter was? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find it right now. I got it. I'm gonna All find right. it right now. But yeah, when we're done with this, go watch those highlights of that game. <laughs> that game was, um, no, not him. Not Stefanovic. Was he there then? No, Ryan Klein. Ryan Klein. I don't that name does not Ryan doesn't ring a bell. Watch the when yeah. we're done with this, watch the highlights from that game. He was sensational. That's hmm. that's a fun I go back and I and I watch the highlights of that game some sometimes. <laughs> More often than you would think you would. But fun fact about <laughs> Pinto, yeah. <laughs> of all the things he could be doing. <laughs> that's what he does. 2019 is what I'm actually doing. Final thoughts before we move on to our last segment here. Final thoughts about uh, matchups coming up, predictions, anything you guys want to lay down on the table, make a bold prediction. I'm going to say that UCLA gets back to the Final Four. I am going to take the Houston 
uh, upset over Arizona, which I don't know what the spread is there, but I'm guessing it's, um, I like it. I like it. I'm a guessing lot. the five over one is an upset. So yeah, I like it. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Michigan over Villanova. Ooh, nice. I like Michigan. I like the way that they're playing right now. I, I like the, the Juwan Howard, uh, revenge tour. I like what I'm seeing. Is there is there anyone in college basketball who's more cool, calm, and collected than Jay Wright, a man in the sidelines for Villanova? He is one cool customer on he, the sidelines. He just yeah, he just he just loses a little bit of something different. I don't know, Bob. What do you? I miss the suit. Maybe a little in the middle. Um, <laughs> he's he's very cool and calm, and that team is playing well. If if Michigan wins that game, they're going to earn it because Villanova is a good tournament team. They really are. Yeah, for yeah. sure. We are going to move on, boys. Um, let's head into stories that you may have missed. And I know, Pinto, you had one that you wanted to bring up. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and take that away? Yeah, so um, the Rays uh, during their uh, spring training game were using a new pitch calling device um, called PitchCom. And the players said that it was easy to use and it sped up the pace of the game. They were using technology that allowed catcher Mike Zanino to electronically send signals to the pitcher, a pitch calling system developed by PitchCom that could help improve pace of play and eliminate illegal sign stealing. Minor leaguers tested the system in the single A Carolina League last summer, and the reviews from both parties involved were extremely positive. Uh, Zanino, the catcher, said it's something that's really going to get the game moving, I think. And Sanders, the pitcher, said it's very easy to use. There were no hiccups or anything with it. So I would definitely would be up to use it in a game. Good or bad idea, guys? Mike, I'll let you, I'll let you start there. I don't see why not. I mean, if it's going to eliminate some sign stealing, if it's going to speed up the, the pace of the game, which is, is you know, it's been a goal that people have been trying to accomplish for whatever reason. I know games have, have been taken too long and, and, you know, nobody wants to sit and watch all that stuff. I, I get that. I, I don't see it being, as long as it's vetted, it's, it's proven it, it works. It's the same at every level. Um, and the players are behind and, it And the players are behind it. Exactly. And, and, you know, I think we talked about it last week. There's, there's those old heads that are going to be like, Oh no, that's not part of our right. game. That's not that's the right not thing. We can't do that. That's going to affect baseball negatively. You know what I mean? Like there's always going to be those old heads, but for me, if, if, if I'm kind of like the that players, sometimes and I'm not even 30 yet. I am yeah. too. Yeah. Sometimes. Well, there's certain, there's definitely certain things, but I can't see a situation where I'd be like, this is ruining the game. You know what I mean? As long as it, the, it's just a different delivery method to give somebody a sign and it's going to speed up play. I'm all for it. Why not? If the players are behind I'm it, curious on your thoughts on this, um, since you're our, you're our go-to baseball guy, I'm just curious what you think. Something different, something new. Um, my kind of, my kind of thing is if the players support it and like it, you know, it doesn't matter what the outside old guys, young guys with old souls think. If the players <laughs> like it and support it and think that it's better for the game, they're the ones playing on the field, not us. They're the ones putting the product on the field, not us. If they think this is going to help and they're unified when baseball unification has been seemed to be a little bit of a problem recently and, you know, a we little were going bit. through it, not, you know, not wondering if we're going to get a full 162. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the more things that we've got players agreeing on for the betterment of the game, 
I'm not going to sit here and, and com- complain about it. And, you know, if, um, if, uh, you know, from, from, from what I understand here, it looks like the catcher is kind of, you know, pressing like a signal and then it gets relayed to the pitcher, you know, that's probably not even something that you're going to be able to notice. Like when you're like consciously watching the pitcher probably right. tap something on his wrist or something or on his, or yeah. on his, on his, on his you know, on his elbow. I, I don't know, wherever it is on his arm, the pitcher is going to get it. And then, you know, I, it, it doesn't seem on paper that it's that big of a deal that it's going to dehance the value of, of watching baseball on TV. Well, so my question would be uh, two, two things. First thing, I guess, how, how big of an issue in, in major league baseball is sign stealing? Pinto, huge. would you say? Huge. The Astros should have okay. lost the world series because of it. I agree. Okay. I just, I want to get that out there. Yeah. Second thing. Yeah. They're they're trying to get rid of it once and for all. So they're going to tap something. Let's say they tap something on the wrist on their, wherever it is, it's going to send the signal to the pitcher. Can't the pitcher still just be like, no. Yeah. But then that would, but like, it's to me, it's like you you put a finger down and you swirl it around and (laughs) and they they shake you off. Right. But there is, not often, once in a while, you know, if you watch enough baseball, you'll see the catcher expecting a fastball and he gets a curveball and then yeah. he has to go out and, and, and go over, you know, you know, let's, let's go through this again. It's more dangerous mm-hmm. when he's expecting, you know, expecting the local and he gets the express as Gary Cohen. <laughs> That's fair. Why don't we just go with some earpieces and a coach just <laughs> telling him what the pitch and everything. That's what I was kind of thinking. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. And now for our, uh, our, our, um, our second story that you missed, um, Max found the good one. Go ahead, Max. Yeah, no, I like this one a lot. Um, so seems like a boring regular, you know, old spring training game, uh, nationals versus Astros on Sunday. This was, um, a three, two win for Washington, but, uh, the real story here and why I want to share this, um, nationals, I, I don't know if he'll be you know, on the team this year, I think he's, will be a minor leaguer, but nationals, uh, second baseman, one of their second basemen, Darren Baker actually exchanged lineup cards with his dad, the, uh, manager of the Astros. Um, and they met at home plate and exchanged lineup cards. Um, normally something, obviously players, I don't know if players don't normally do, but obviously, um, the reason why he was sent out it's because it's, it's, it's his dad. Um, I thought that was a pretty cool moment. And I also wanted to share, which I'm sure some listeners maybe remember, but, uh, this is the same son that JT snow, uh, swooped in the same, oh, yeah. uh, 2002 mm-hmm. world series game five. Um, I, I rem- Darren. yeah, I remember watching that game and like, just seeing that. And I was like, like, you've never seen, like, you don't see that very often. So, I feel that's something I'll always remember um, and just picturing him, you know, the little bat boy um, going over to Dusty uh, with JT Snow and and Dusty. I don't know if he was yelling at him or just like, thank you to JT, but um, just remembering that. And then you see him exchange lineup cards um, with his dad. That's just a pretty good story, a, a feel good story and something I'm sure meant, uh, you know, a, a great deal for both of them. So just a just a feel good story there. Yeah. Max, I didn't see if there was any um like um like a video of, of this happening when whether they shook hands or anything at, or at the plate. Um, did um did the younger Baker have a toothpick when he went up? <laughs> I don't believe I don't believe so. Um, okay, and so there's I'll a lot of people that might I, not get that joke. 
I, I was yeah. just, well, if you know Dusty Baker, you know he right. is the, the, the toothpick king. So I was just wondering <laughs> if the, the son follows in the steps of the old man. Yeah, I, I didn't see that, but maybe he's waiting until his coaching days and then he'll he'll take that on. But it is possible that, that there was one in there for both of them. Carry on the legacy. Yeah. I think so, toothpick yeah. Dusty. <laughs> what a cool moment. That big game, Dusty. But yes, Max, that is a very, very cool story. That's that awesome. is a cool story. I, I, I hadn't heard about that, which um, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. That's a really cool story. I love stuff like that, the, the next generation yeah, taking just, over. Yeah, it's cool to see, especially when you see like like something which, you know, not part of this, but like the Jameer Nelson um, for Delaware, Jameer Nelson's son, um, mm-hmm. seeing him play like, and you realize like you watch Jameer Nelson in the NBA and even at St. Joe's, you know, feels like a long time ago and it's like but he has a son like it doesn't seem like he would have a son in college like playing you know an 18 year old son or whatever it is so stuff like that is just cool to see you know sons of of you know guys you watched or coaches and things like that so whenever i see stuff like that it it kind of you know worth mentioning in my opinion for our last segment here of the podcast being the the lost a step podcast we're now at the end of the show going to have the lost a step uh, team or athlete of the week as, 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 as Max, myself and I being former athletes, once in a generation, we have lost at least one step. Some people would argue more than one, you know, maybe bordering on, you know, close to a dozen, depending on, depending on who you talk to. Um, But we are going to end the show with just a little quick segment on a team or an athlete that lost a step during the week and might not have had their great performance. And, as soon as we saw this in person, because me, Max, and Mark were at the game, this week's Lost a Step goes to the entire Loyola of Chicago basketball team. Losing, you should be ashamed uh, 50, of yourselves. Losing 51-40 to 40 in the first round of the tournament against Ohio State. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, 54-41. Loyola of Chicago was the uh, fourth best shooting team from the field. Uh, in Division One throughout the entire season. They shot 26% from the field, 26% from three, 30% from the line. I've watched a lot of basketball in my life. I've played a lot of basketball in my life. Scenes, I've been a Knicks fan my whole life. I've watched a lot <laughs> of bad basketball. If this wasn't the worst performance, it's it's damn close. They were dreadful. I don't think they made more. I don't think they made consecutive shots on consecutive turns down the court. It was an absolutely dreadful performance. Of course, some defensive credit to Ohio state for frustrating them in a defensive game plan. Hats off to them. Ohio state won a game. They shot one of 15 from three and the game in the second half was never in doubt. They were up by like eight. It felt like they were up by 98. It was so horrible offensive performance from a good offensive team. That by far Loyola <laughs> lost a step for the week, so, and Tom, that we saw it in person even 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 enhanced it. I'm done. Go ahead, Tom. We we saw these uh, the games in Pittsburgh, and I learned two things while I was in Pittsburgh. The first one, yeah, what's that? Was that you know maybe people shouldn't have been as confident in Loyola. Everyone was picking them over Ohio State. Um, the I second sure one was the second one. Permanti Bros overrated. And I'm sorry to say that for those Pittsburgh people, especially my friend Luke, who told me to go there. Um, yeah. But 
but I had to get that in there because I just I'm with Pinto on uh he he didn't talk about this on the show, but Permanti Bros not not as good as what people make it out to be. I'm sorry, everyone listening and and Mike apparently who might be a fan. It sounds like mediocrity. No, I I don't even I don't even know what that is. I just I I got excited because oh, okay. I thought you were okay. taking a shot at at something that Pinto is is really passionate about. No, I, love I would, these conversations. No, not I tried to steer him away with all my oh. great food knowledge, but he didn't want to listen. So I, you I wanted you to I wanted to so bad to like it because of what Pinto was telling me and and I just could like even with that mindset, I just. No, just not not good. He's right about the bread, and I'm not a you know I'm not a picky, what? you know about my bread, but but I'm with Pinto on this one. So I had to so I had to include that sub? if I lost a step. Sandwich sub. Yeah, so Sandwich. basically it's Pinto. You might explain a little better, but it's uh it's like a whole mix mosh of a sandwich. See the whole the fries, the fries, the fries. <laughs> the fries are inside the sandwich. Legend goes when the truckers would come back in the day in Pittsburgh and they didn't have a lot of time. They didn't <laughs> want to get fries on the side. So they had the genius idea to put them in the sandwich. It's a pretty cool concept, but they didn't the have a lot of terrible. time. It just sounds the made bread up. is the difference. That's yeah. just how the legend goes, man. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. But the bread stinks. And they got coleslaw in there and, you know, there's their steak and chicken and pastrami and all kinds of meats, cheese, whatever. It's a nice fat sandwich, but the bread is horrible and the French fries are mediocre and. And Loyola didn't play well. And Loyola didn't play well. So it was just a miserable day. (laughs) Yeah. uh, yeah. Tough weekend. Yeah. Well, Pinto, would you, would you rate it um, better or worse than the fat wedge? Um, Ah. Ah, we'll, uh, that's a good one the fat wedge is a 10 out of 10 don't get 10 him started and 12 out of 10 12 out of 10 i'm gonna get one on saturday in the bronx i'm gonna send you guys a picture <laughs> please do i will Can you just freeze took, one for I, me i'm gonna go to mike's deli i took mark to mike's deli in december <laughs> if mark wants to come up and say a, a word or two about mike's deli he knows he knows right in the market right next to mario's max has been to mario's Wait, Mike's, well, a long, long time ago. Right after the Bronx Zoo. Mike's Not Deli, to right. be confused with Joe's Deli. <laughs> Joe's Deli's around the corner. <laughs> it goes Mike's Deli, Joe's Deli, Little Mike's Deli, Little Joe's Deli, Little Tony's Deli, okay. Big Tony's Deli, <laughs> Medium Tony's Deli, Mike Kirkowski's okay. Deli. I was just going to say, I was just going to bring it up. Last thing right before we go, Coach K's name, pronounce it, go. Um, some people call him Coach K. Other people call him uh, Shaikovsky. <laughs> Shaikovsky's uh, You heard it here first, folks. Mike Shaikovsky is going to lead the Blue, do- right, the, right the Blue Do Devils. I, look at me, I'm a mess. He's a basketball coach. Oh, this boy. is this I is mean, a uh, we we just we crashed and we burned but we go again. <laughs> this has been the third episode of the Lost to Step podcast. Not our best. Better thank you everyone Loyola. for listening. You better than Loyola. I agree. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Mike Marcone, Max Kahn, Tom Pinto, Mark DeStefano. Peace.